Thank you for listening to the BJJ Brick Podcast. We'll be bringing you Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and good times. We hope to flatten your Jiu-Jitsu learning curve, help you get the most out of your grappling ability, and meet your goals both on and off the mat. Welcome back, my friends. This is episode 102 of the BJJ Brick Podcast. My name is Byron. I'm here with Gary. We have an excellent interview from our friend Lee Mian. Uh, black belt in, in multiple different martial arts, and we're going to be talking about jiu-jitsu, coaching, uh, and uh, MMA, and, and all kinds of things with, with him today. But uh, first, Gary, how's it going? It is going great today. How about you, Byron? Uh, doing good. Uh, I was, I you know, it's Saturday uh, afternoon now. Usually Gary and I get together and train on Saturday mornings, but uh, I missed out this morning. So uh, I know Gary's getting a little bit of an edge on me, I can tell. Yeah, I tell you, two hours straight, nonstop. I'm feeling it right now, but uh, uh, nothing better than being on the mats. Well, I, I did miss out, but uh, I'll have to, have to get back uh, next week, I hope. Get my Saturday morning Gary time. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> and uh, we'd like to wish uh, good luck to one of our friends today. Today is actually uh, September 26th. Uh, when the show gets on, it's not going to be September 26th. But one of our previous uh, guests and, uh, and a friend of ours, a guy we've trained with, uh, Brian Marvin, uh, wish him luck today as he's in the uh, the Master Worlds uh, in the semifinals today. So uh, good luck, Brian. Uh, as I always like to say that we learn from Brian, ABC, always be choking. That's right. And we, we were just talking about him. So when we get done recording, we'll hop on the interwebs and uh, and, and see watch some choking people, hopefully. Yep, those interwebs are awesome. Yeah, that's what. Uh, if you don't if you don't clean up the spot, get rid of the spiders, man. They just get everywhere. That's true. I want to remind you guys that if you want to get the BJ Brick podcast uh, sent to you every week, the easiest way would be to sign up on our email list. Go to our website at bjjbrick.com or our Facebook page, and you could put fill out a little area where you put your name and email address, and we'll send you a link to the show every week on a Tuesday. And at the bottom of that link, you go all the way to the bottom, and there's a little link called Dropbox. You can click on that, and there's some bonus audio material in there uh, about some just various things that really um, – there's a couple of clips in the audiobook in there, and uh, there's just some stuff that, that uh, we've recorded that didn't really fit anywhere else, but it's just, just good times, my friends. Hey, speaking of uh, audio recordings, uh, definitely uh, check out our Byron's audiobook, Your First Year in BJJ. Basically, it's a guide to uh, help you through uh, – the peaks and valleys of that first year make it get the most out of your first year, which is a very, very important year. It's a, it's hard to keep going, and this will make it easier for you. It also supports the show, um, all the money um, from it. It's $11.99, a real cheap price um, for two and a half hours of audio book. It's kind of just like our podcast, but uh, Byron, Byron helping you through your first year. But all the money goes to uh, support the podcast and uh, keep it going. So definitely check it out. It's getting great reviews. And anything by my buddy Byron, definitely top quality. <laughs> you obviously have not had much of my cooking, Gary. <laughs> and don't forget on YouTube his grilled cheese episode. Oh man, you threw that out there quick. <laughs> the the YouTube, but that was a near. It, the fire was almost uh, almost too big to handle. Lucky you are a firefighter in real life. That was a lot of smoke for just one grilled cheese sandwich. I got to say. But so definitely check it out. Your first year in BJJ. We have a uh, link to it there on our page. So uh, um, we'd appreciate any support you give us. 
Absolutely. As yes, it's it's always an honor when we sell one. I get an email right away that says that, and uh, it just kind of will pick me up. We really appreciate that, Gary. We lost uh, somebody in the quote world who was very special recently here, Gary. Yeah, uh, Yogi Berra, uh, probably uh, one of the best baseball players of all time. Uh, what was it? Three time MVP, won ten World Series. Uh, the guy is just uh, just incredible. I thought. And, and, I thought he was an author. All these quotes. No, no. I know some people get his name mixed up and thought he was an author or thought his name was Nogi Bear and he was a Nogi <laughs> But Yogi Bear, probably one of the best baseball players of all time. And and besides baseball, he was just known for uh, witty, uh, quick wit, uh, great person. He was actually uh, uh, in D-Day too, um, you know, a, a real hero. Uh, but uh, we've got two quotes from Yogi Berra. The first one, in theory, there is no difference between theory and practice. In practice, there is. Yeah. I mean, the, 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 there's, I think, you know, it's obviously like a joke quote. That's what he was famous for. But, you know, yep. there's no difference between practice and, and, uh, and theory. But it's like when you learn a technique. Gary shows me this great technique, you know, how, how it works. And, okay, I got it. And then I go, go to practice it and, and actually train with it. There's a difference there. Definitely a difference. So many times you're like, hey, I got this down, and you're practicing it with a non-resisting opponent, and then all of a sudden you add in a little bit of resistance, and you're like, okay, this didn't go exactly how I planned. Uh, but the key is keep practicing. That's right. Yep. Keep And keep theorizing, too. Yep, practice and <laughs> theorizing. And don't ask me how to spell theorize. Quote number two, baseball is 90% mental. The other half is physical. No, I like that one. Yeah, that is just because right on the money. Ninety and fifty don't equal one hundred. I don't think, unless we're using Common Core math. And then it might. <laughs> if you're given one hundred and forty percent, that's how it's going to divide up, Gary. Yeah, yeah. But this is another one of his woody ones. Um, you know, ninety percent mental, the other half is physical. But uh, you know, really, jujitsu, baseball, very, very mental sport. You know, everybody just thinks of the physical spot physical part um but you know mental it is 90 percent mental and the other half is physical <laughs> it's so weird to say it but if, if okay i think another way to, <laughs> to to look at this quote and try to like take some value from it because it is it's hilarious but um if you're not in it mentally you're only like 10 percent showing up you know what i mean but if you're if you're focused and you're in it mentally then you have some work to do physically too but if if the if your opponent or you are mentally out of it you're just a shallow, which you could be. Yeah, you're sense. done. When you're, yeah, when your head's not in there, you have no chance. You're, you're, like you said, you're, you're going with ten percent. You're not going to be there. Yeah, and then the other half is physical. I mean, after that ninety percent is taken care of, the other half is all physical. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yep. He's so 100, funny. 140 minus fifty is ninety. Boom. There's the math. The area of the math man. Fifty is one hundred and forty. So I think this is wonderful because we're talking about how important the mental game is. And so let's uh, find a nice article from our friend uh, Gustavo Dantes at the BJJ Mental Coach. He just wrote one recently called The Four D's of Success, My Experience at Polaris 2. He recently went out to Polaris, uh, watched Hobson Mora and Victor Shaolin compete, and uh, he, he has what he calls the four D's of success, discipline, determination, dedication, and desire. And uh, even if you 
don't meet your ultimate goal of, of, of winning that uh, winning your super fight or your match or your tournament if you follow those four D's and you and you gave what you had it's still a victory yeah yeah. I like how he put in there the, the quote by uh, John Wooden uh, the great basketball coach for U, U, UCLA success is a peace of mind which is a direct result of self-satisfaction in knowing that you did your best to become the best you are capable of becoming and uh, I mean that kind of goes back to our other quotes but you, you're given every, you're trying hard you're you're working towards that goal of trying to become the best you can and even if there's going to be some pitfalls along the way but as long as you know you gave everything you had you're successful you are very successful and then he talks about that uh, um, about uh, uh, Shaolin and uh, Hobson Mora uh, basically they are very successful schools in Tampa and, and Tampa Florida New York City uh, they've got nothing to prove they've already you know dominated competition careers but they still have that itch to compete um, despite their schedules yeah I mean they are he, he meant they have lives outside of jiu-jitsu they're, they're only able to train uh, was it a few times a week three or four times a week and and they're still getting out there and just with that I think that's one of the, the desire you know the, the fourth D is just yeah. it's there so that's a, that's yeah. a big one what, what does um, uh, Gary out of the four D's discipline uh, what, how does that have what does that mean to you when you think about jiu-jitsu discipline I mean you, if you want to succeed um, if you want to be the best you can I, I can't be staying up all night going out and partying I can't be eating terrible food I can't be you know no sleep I I can't skip practice to watch the Flintstones I have to be in there I have to have the discipline to train I have to have discipline to try to eat better to stretch to relax to rest um, it's a it's a tough tough time I mean we've got other stuff going on in our lives but if I want to be the best I can I've got to do the right things every day day in day out no no uh, uh, shortcuts that's what discipline means to me I think that the four D's discipline determination dedication and desire they all do play off of each other if your if your desire is is, is weak um, you're not gonna your discipline's gonna lack your determination won't be as strong and, and and the dedication you you have for, for what you're doing will also be affected I mean they all um, Keeping all four of those up is going to ensure that you do the absolute best you can do. Yeah, I, I like what you said. You have to have all four of those. You've got to be be at the top of each one of those. But thinking of that, just looking, you know, at the article here, man, wouldn't that be a cool shirt? Discipline, determination, dedication, desire. Man, that's it right there. That's a res- recipe for su- success right there. Yeah, I mean those those four Ds are are a good way to break down what you would need, and it's of course from uh, Gustavo Dantas, the BJJ mental coach. So he's he's got uh, the BJJmentalcoach dot com. He's there to get you uh, that first ninety percent uh, of the game is is mental. Hey, and I, I like uh, one thing I, I want to read in one of his little paragraphs. Um, you know, it's like, do you? possess the four D's of success, not just to accomplish your goals on the mat, but mainly off the mat. The four D's of success concept is about mental toughness. It's about going after your goals and dreams, facing your fears and anxieties daily, being comfortable with uncomfortable situations, 
reaching your full potential and becoming the best version of yourself. I tell you, that right there, I could, I should read that every morning when I get up. I just think that's awesome. Every morning, you're going to have some tough stuff to do, not just on the mat, but like you said, mainly in real life. I've got anxieties of what's going on at work. I'm going to have fears of, can I do this? You know, I need to be comfortable in uncomfortable positions because I want to reach my full potential. I want to become the best version of myself. Uh, I tell you, I'm going to print that off and I'm going to read that every morning. I think that's awesome. Yep. I think that'll put me in a in a perfect spot to start each day. Don't forget and, to also uh, copy and paste the the four Ds right below that, Gary, so you know yeah. what they are. Yeah. I tell you that that one paragraph really hit me. And, yeah, uh, and uh, that that is I feel like it's speaking directly to me. It's something I need. Yeah, it says uh, on my computer. It says for Gary's eyes only. I, I don't even. I don't that show that part where you read just showed up blank. It must have just been for you, Gary. Sweet. So I'm glad you read it for everybody to see. No, there, there, there's a lot more to the Somebody's article. Somebody's looking out for me. <laughs> Gustavo is. There's a lot more to the article. He shares his experience at Polaris and, and, and what he thought of the, the matches and everything. And, and so uh, definitely swing by his website, check it out. And uh, definitely if you are uh, in, into competing, if you compete, if you're thinking about it and you suffer a little bit from the mental side of things, you you find yourself to be too nervous or you, you don't quite uh, – get going you know and, you, and it's more of a mental block than it is a physical thing you know how to, your body knows what to do but mentally you just can't quite get going uh check him out he that's what he's that's what he's known for he's the bj mental coach so he's on facebook instagram twitter all that yeah. stuff too yeah check out his youtube channel he's got a lot of great stuff on there too so and he's also been on the show here so i can't go wrong with starting with with when we interviewed him and and swinging by his website and just helping your game out mentally it's only gonna make it better and that's what we're here for. Well, that is true. Gary, speaking of making us better, uh, Lee Mian is really going to uh, – he, he, he shares a lot of his personal story, kind of uh, early start to, to martial arts, you know, and before most of us even knew what jiu-jitsu was, he was doing it. Um, he's trained with a lot of different people, and that, and he really has a lot of stories to share about that. And then he gets into some coaching stuff for us and, and gives uh, you and me great advice about how to get better at jiu-jitsu. And, uh, you know, he's done lots of MMA stuff, so also transitioning or, or, or trying some MMA out and how that would change things for you. So a uh, really fun interview coming up here. Let's roll the interview with Lee Mian. He is the most interesting grappler in the world. One time, during a bridge, he passed gas and the price of oil went up 10% a barrel. He defends a double leg blast with one leg. He has fought Cletus three times at the dinner table. All three fights started with Cletus walking over and ended with Cletus limping back. I don't always listen to podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the BJJ Brick podcast. Stay sweaty, my friends. All right, my friends, I'm happy to bring Lee Mian to the BJJ Break podcast. Lee, thank you for giving us an interview today. No problem. Glad to be here. We're glad to have you. We've heard some great things about you. We're excited to get to get to know you. Could you kind of introduce yourself to the audience a little bit for us? Yeah, uh, my name is Lee Mian. I live in Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada. We're a city of about 70,000, 80,000 people. It's kind of a small center. Um I have a gym here. I teach kickboxing, jiu-jitsu, uh, MMA classes. 
Um, we got a full weight room, cardio equipment, so kind of a family atmosphere for training, like kids' classes, adult classes. Um, been doing this uh, for about 20-some years now with uh, martial arts and, um, you know, really enjoying it. I have a black belt in uh, Kempo Karate, American Kempo Karate. I trained that first with my brother, um, and then I started training uh, jiu-jitsu and MMA and have a have a black belt under Mr. Boss Rutten and Boss Rutten MMA system. And I teach that stuff and teach courses for him. And then I have a black belt in BJJ under Mr. Roy Harris. So that's kind of my training background. I've trained, uh, you know, some GQDO concepts and, and different things or for self-defense and do a lot of law enforcement stuff as well. Um, so just trying to keep up on, you know, the latest trends and what's what I think will be a a trend or the newest thing as far as concepts on, on combat and, and that sort of stuff. So it's kind of where I go with uh, my thinking and, and training and conditioning stuff is, you know, what what would be the next angle for getting the advantage uh, in competition especially. So that's kind of my background. All right. Could you uh, tell us what you do a little bit in your free time, what you're doing when you're not training? Uh, yeah, well, when I'm not training, um, I'm on the road lots with fighters, coaching fighters at MMA fights and, and different things, so I have a pretty hectic schedule, but when I'm not uh, at the gym training, I am just hang out with my family. Um, I really enjoy going to movies on some downtime and uh, sitting out in the sun and, you know, I don't do much physical activity other than training. Uh, pretty busy with that, so save my body for all that type of stuff. I don't do much other recreational stuff anymore. I love them. I love watching them. I just don't uh, participate too much, but I also uh, run security for concerts and uh, special events, and uh, starting uh, the end of this month, I'll be opening up a nightclub. I'll be managing a nightclub as well, so that'll be one more thing on my plate to keep busy, and uh, I promote uh, MMA event, Rumble in the Cage. It's the longest-running MMA show in Canada. And I do two or three shows a year with that, uh, giving guys experience from all over Canada and the U.S. Uh, and opportunities to fight and uh, get experience. So don't have much free time for other things, but I try once in a while. You sound like a busy guy, and you're only getting busier, it sounds like. Yeah, um, yeah. You said you've trained uh, under uh, Boss Root and a black belt under him. How is what yes. he does different than, um, let's say, um, the typical jiu-jitsu um, uh, coach um i what i find with uh with the boss rooting system um kind of a lot of the stuff he does is compared to traditional um you know brazilian jiu-jitsu a lot of different types of movements like thinking outside the box uh more like the catch wrestling mindset lots of neck cranks and and uh, you know arm wrenches and wrist locks and all that kind of stuff and foot locks so very aggressive that way. Um, definitely geared towards the athletic person and the person that's conditioned. Um, that you know that lends well with you know fighting and, and being that type of machine. Um, obviously, you know you can still roll nice and gentle. And the older style jiu-jitsu of uh, you know as we get older, we like the gentle roll. Um, that's still a part of it, obviously. But um, very geared for for combat. And uh, always thinking, you know, you're not rolling just a roll. You're rolling with striking in mind all the time. So it's always that self-defense concept in your head and always like you're in a fight. 
not just on the mat rolling for fun and sport. So that's kind of the, the differences there. So there are a couple of different uh, philosophies, I guess, when it comes to to teaching or training martial arts. Some people think that it's it's great to teach uh, the weak uh, or weaker people you know how to defend themselves, and it's really advantageous to to show them. Um, you know the self defense aspect of it, and then it sounds like the the boss rooting style is is for the athletic people who are looking to compete, and for um, and, and and then when they happen to have a uh, a real life situation, they'll also uh, be able to be able to perform as well. Yeah, and it's definitely you know again, you don't have to be athletic and strong and and stuff to do the do the system right and to train it. I mean, yeah. Okay. You you, you know I mean it's perfect self-defense you're a smaller weaker person yeah it's important to know how to neck crank and and you know all those kind of things that's a bit more effective than you know than a lot of other moves so um you definitely learn all the striking the knees and elbows and all that stuff so it's geared to help the weaker person uh gain confidence and and defend themselves as well as then it's combat ready as well for those who are fighting obviously if you're going to fight that's you know, you need to be in shape for that as well. You know, you're not just sitting on the couch and then got attacked one day. I mean, <laughs> you're out there, you know, you're training to fight with someone else who's prepared to fight. So conditioning is a factor and your physical stamina is a factor. So, you know, it lends well for both of those. Um, but it definitely has the, the combative uh, mindset all the time as you train, you know, so. so you've worked quite a bit of uh, security and, and things like that at nightclubs and, and events. Does it? Uh, I just don't want to say does it come in handy quite a bit, but but how does your martial arts training or how has it uh, helped you uh, in, in uh, keeping those situations under control? I think the biggest thing is having confidence in your ability. Um, you don't have to overreact. I find the biggest thing is people who don't train, uh, whether you you know you're a police officer or you know, you look as a guard in a jail or whatever, uh, your security person, when you're not sure of yourself and what you can do and what you can handle, you tend to, you know, you get worked up more, your stress levels are higher, you overreact, you use more force than is needed sometimes. Um, you resort to, you know, like you have a baton, you're going to use a baton because you don't know how to contain a person in hand-to-hand combat situation where, you know, you could just detain them or control them, you know. So I find it just makes it a little easier. I can calm things down and resolve them before they become, you know, a violent situation where I have to get hands-on. I can usually defuse it. Um, I'm not looking to fight. I get all the fights I want in the gym. I can book myself a fight in the cage anytime I want. I don't have to prove anything when I'm working. Um, You know, I'm just there to make sure everybody's safe. And just knowing that if someone does decide they want to throw down, they want something to happen, okay, I, I can handle it. You know what I mean? And I don't uh, have expectations of winning or losing. It's just that I'm going to fight until it's dealt with, you know, and that's the mindset you have. And, and so that helps a lot, um, you know, mostly, again, just to be confident to defuse it. That helps so much with the security situation. You've been doing martial arts a long time. Did you ever work those type of jobs before you? Uh, got on the mat and started training? Um, I just started training Kempo Karate when I started working security um, in nightclubs. And um, luckily for me, I, I, mean, I was young, I was like 25, 
and I had a really good um, kind of supervisor boss, and he was an older guy who didn't want to fight, no interest in fighting anyone, and he did everything he could to talk to everybody of everything, and that was kind of my role model um, when I was learning how to you know be a bouncer and do that type of stuff. So that helped a lot um, mold my mentality on how to deal with things. Um, and as I was training, uh, I, my mindset was, well, what if this guy knows something? Like I know a little bit and I know what I would do. So what if this guy knows more? Like you don't know who trains what, right? You know, there's lots of people that train different martial arts, boxing, wrestling. You don't, you don't know what this guy knows. So I was always very leery to go in there and just say, ah, you know, grab a guy and start chucking him out because what if he knew more than I did? So I was always a little bit leery of that, of just jumping in there. So I would talk you know, following this other guy's example, deal with the situation, get in there, try and calm everybody down, talk everybody out. Hopefully nothing ever happens, you know, and then go from there. So it, it helped a lot. Uh, having that perspective of you don't know what anybody knows and I know what I know and, you know, you're learning. And sometimes, you know, when you're training, the technique works and sometimes it doesn't. So do you want to have a fail while you're, you know, your life depends on it or do you want to just, find the safest route out and that that helped a lot with working so that's good and i imagine it's an advantage um you don't live in a in a little tiny town but you live in a smaller city and um i would imagine anybody who's got a significant amount of skill you would recognize them as a just just you know those people that uh that live around you and uh who would cause trouble yeah i mean you do um to a degree again a lot of people do stuff on the side you don't you know i don't know what everybody does or yeah what. people come into town they're out of further from out of town they come in to go to the bar or whatever someone you've never seen before um so you just never know and that's the whole point about evaluating the situation and and again having that confidence a lot of people see that you know it's like bullying uh, people say oh, well how do you handle bullying be in shape be confident kids that are confident that they know how to fight they don't get picked on hardly ever, right? It's the kids that look vulnerable and, and are scared of everything that's going to happen to them. They're the ones that the bullies pick on because that's why they're bullies. They want to pick on the weak. So the people who train and have confidence in their ability to kick and punch and take down and kick down the fence, they're less likely to get picked on, you know? And that's um, the same as working. You know, when you have confidence, you don't have to go out there and try and prove anything. You just be yourself, and uh, people tend to stay away from you. Or they, at least they question, "What does this guy know? Why is he so confident in this situation?" So now they're they're less likely to jump the gun and be aggressive, and then that helps diffuse it as well, right? So, yeah, it, that <clears throat> that makes sense, and it's better to uh, not have a bully than to have to deal with a bully. So uh, yeah. I like that <laughs> that way to deal with it. Um, could you describe your style of jiu-jitsu, how you like to roll and, and just how you like to train? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm 48, and uh, I didn't start doing jiu-jitsu until I was 32. So older when I got started, I didn't start fighting, uh, full contact fighting until I was 32, like fighting in the cage and stuff. So... I still fight and I still train and I, I still want to train that, um, you know, that athletic role where we go hard and we push, 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 and we look for the tap and, 
and like my young guys do. The problem is the body doesn't like that so much anymore. You know, I can only handle so many rounds of that, and then all of a sudden you got an injury and you don't heal as fast anymore, and and all that kind of stuff. So, um, my mind wants to be the young athletic uh, go for it. Uh, training partner, but in reality, as I need to do the, uh, the, uh, Roy Harris to get you over 40, uh, you know, learn to be patient and save your energy for later and that kind of, kind of thing. But, uh, my competitive side, you know, I like to get in there and, and go for it, but, um, you know, see, it's a learning, that learning process. And I always want to keep, you know, you want to hang on to the, to the youth and the ability to fight and all that, but it, it's slowly fading away. So I'm adapting my game as I go, and uh, you know I want to roll for a long time. So obviously that's going to become very important that uh, you roll gentle and nice with with your training partners, and that no one's getting hurt. So yeah. when you say you're still fighting, you're talking about MMA. Yeah, MMA. I just did a boxing fight uh, last month. Kind of whatever. I don't care what the rules are. Um, if it's, I think it's going to be a challenging fight for me, and something I can work on. Um, you know, say I've been working on something in the gym, like I want to go into a fight because I want to try it at speed. I want to see if I can apply that one thing, you know. And so even if I win a fight but I didn't get to do that move or not try that thing that I was working on, it's something a jab or whatever it is, or a certain arm bar or a certain takedown, well, then I don't really care about the fight. You know what I mean? I want to get in there and put myself on the line and, and with things, with the pressure of a fight and another guy who's ready to fight and, you know, because again, anything in the gym is, is fun, but it's not like a real fight, you know? And so those are the, that's the challenge of testing it in battle. And, uh, you find out what works and what doesn't. And, uh, you know, so it makes it really fun. Yeah. It sounds like, uh, the reason why you're, why you're, you're going out to fight is just to continue to test yourself and to test the techniques that you're, uh, either working on or adding to your game. Yeah. It's a great challenge. And, uh, you know, again, when you're able to do something, I say just keep doing it as long as you can. Because there'll be a time when you can't anymore, and that'll be a reality, right? There's too many injuries, uh, too busy with family and whatever. So if you get a chance to compete and you like to compete, then do it. You know, if up here all these guys, you know, they played hockey at a high level and then they're done, their career's over, but they still play rec hockey because they love playing hockey. You know, and that's the same thing for me with martial arts. I love competing. I love the the training camp, trying to get in shape for a fight. That helps you stay healthier longer as well, right? You're in better shape overall throughout the year. Um, but there comes a time when you got to, you know, back off a little bit. And uh, so I, I try and try and balance things out. My main priority is that I'm healthy to coach my fighters and my students. You know, I have to be able to hold pads in class. I have to be able to ra- grapple with the guys in class and teach them the new techniques. So that's my priority. So I, you know, I book fights when my guys don't have fights. I try and, uh, you know, fight and really be careful actually when I'm fighting that I don't just go 100% all out and then hurt myself and um, not able to uh, teach and run my business. So, you do have some elite uh, level competitors there that you're training with. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about them? Yeah, um, you know, again, for being a smaller uh, city, we've had a lot of. you know, great fighters come through. Uh, and again, guys that started with me from day one have never trained in martial arts before, um, you know, and came to me to say, hey, I want to, I like this idea of this sport of MMA. Um, so, like, Jesse Bongfeld uh, fought in the UFC, uh, Jason Day, 
fought in the UFC. My son, Jordan Meehan, currently fights in the UFC, the welterweight in the UFC. Um, you know, all guys that I've taken from just starting out and molding them into becoming, uh, you know, athletes as well as, you know, practitioners of, of martial arts and having the ability to fight um, in any spectrum, ground, stand-up, whatever it is. And I've got a few new guys, uh, Brad Dewsbury, uh, he's 14 wins and three losses as a pro. Um, you know, he's on, on the brink of getting signed by UFC soon. Um, you know, another top, top Canadian fighter, lots, got lots of other great fighters as well. And, um, you know, that's the, you know, the fun side of the sport and doing that. And again, whether there was no UFC and nowhere to fight, I would still be teaching this, still training this and, uh, guys would still be, you know, becoming martial artists. And, uh, my goal with that always is to make better members of society and that we help each other and kind of build a family that uh, is there for each other. That's a great goal. Um, it's amazing that your your son is an active competitor in the UFC. That's just such a tremendous accomplishment. When did you start to recognize in him that he was um, he had that ability that he would he would go far in the sport? Um, well, he started training uh, karate with me when he was three. And he always was very gifted athletically. Uh, didn't matter what sport we, you know, we go play basketball. At three years old, he could dribble a basketball with both hands. You know, that type of thing. He just caught on to stuff really well. Um, training, you know, going up, doing uh, point fighting tournaments and, you know, uh, sports jiu-jitsu tournaments. Didn't matter. He loved competing in that type of, you know, combative art. And um, just he just progressed. And there came a time, you know, when he was like, what do you want to do for a career? And he had written out his goals and, um, he wanted to decide he wanted to become a professional fighter. And that was like, he was 16. And, you know, luckily here, the commission here recognizes, you know, abilities of athletes. And so they were, they allowed, um, him to fight. They allowed other guys to fight under the age of 18, as long as the appropriate, you know, uh, parents signed off on stuff and the, and the proper matchups and whatnot. But so he got a taste of it early um, his first, his fight career didn't start off very well as a pro, um, being, you know, younger and fighting adults. Um, but he kept battling and, you know, kept working hard. And that was the biggest thing. His work ethic was, uh, through the roof and just kept willing to learn and to try and, and get better at every aspect of the game. So, yeah. Did you have any, you said he started MMA when he was 16? Yeah, he started doing, like, actual MMA training probably when he was about 11, 12 years old. Um, you know, we were doing kickboxing, had some kickboxing fights and was starting to work grappling. Um, got more, you know, obviously once he turned pro, then he was full on, you know, he'd already had like six or seven amateur MMA fights up before that. Um, so he definitely had the, you know, recognized the ability in him to fight and to do it. Uh, again, just a matter of that work ethic and uh, willing to commit and keep going because it's, it's not an easy sport, right? And the money's not there <laughs> no matter what level you're at. It doesn't pay well. So you have to be willing to yeah. sacrifice a lot of things to, to reach your goals. So, But you didn't uh, – I, I was recently talking uh, with Chris Howder, and he, he mentioned that, uh, like, the the kids MMA, you know, getting uh, – seeing some of those videos, um, that, yeah. that, that wasn't what was going on. He was he – was, uh, he wasn't a kid doing. He was he was just a little under eighteen or so. But uh, the, yeah. the the training for it is different, I think, than the actual um, getting a competition at a extremely young age. Yeah, 
you know, like our kids program we have now, we start age four and they start learning the fundamentals of jujitsu, you know, passing the guard, escaping mount, um, you know, all your fundamental movements, takedowns, takedown defense, um, you know, and they learn their kickboxing, you know, their jab, the cross, the front kick, the round kick. Um, so we give them a taste of both sides of it, stand up and ground. And then when they move to the youth class, then we start working with them submissions and defending submissions. And, you know, they do more, like, we do always do stand-up sparring, kickboxing sparring with the kids, but we also have the takedown element in it. You know, so they always have that aspect of MMA, you know, that feel as they go. So now as they progress, as they get older, you know, it's not all of a sudden they're going to start learning jiu-jitsu or start learning kickboxing. They've been doing this since they were little. And uh, then then you can talk about details and, the you know, the intricacies of, of the styles and, and what works and what fits their body type and, and you know, whatnot. So. How, how important is it when they're uh, young like that to keep it fun and, and playful? I think it's important at all ages. <laughs> I always joke around that, uh, you know, I think the four-year-olds have a longer attention span than the adults in the, in the adult class. <laughs> you know, like, it's the same, right? We all, you know, want to have fun. Yeah. Why are you doing it? If it's a grind and it's boring and you don't like it, why are you doing it? You know, it's not because you're making tons of money, so why are you doing this? If you don't enjoy the workout and you don't enjoy the feeling of being pushed hard physically and, and the exertion it takes, if you don't like the you know, the idea of repping something out over and over and over to get good at it and the details of getting good at it, well, then it's not your thing. You know, go do something else. But, you know, again, that being said, how do we make it entertaining? How does it make, How do we make it fun as an instructor so that you get a balance of, yeah, this is really hard. And it's not really that much fun, but I know it's important. Oh, now we're doing something fun and we're doing a game. We're doing a drill that's more fun. And that balances it out, you know, and that's important for kids, important for adults. Um, if you're not enjoying it, then, you know, you got to look at that. Enjoyment is a, is a huge factor in whether you're going to get uh, good at something and stick with it. Um, you've trained yeah. quite a bit with Boss Rudin. Um, he's he's a very entertaining character, and I and I uh, have learned a lot watching his, some of his videos and, and picked up some things about uh, more street self-defense type of things, but... Um, if, if boss were to invite me to go out to the, to the bar or to the pub, uh, tonight, I'd probably turn him down. I'd love to meet the guy, but I probably wouldn't want to, he has like a, in my mind, uh, it just seems like something's going to happen. Is that, uh, is that true or is that kind of a myth or? <laughs> no, I think it's a myth. I mean, he's a, he's an awesome guy. So much fun to be around. He's totally animated. I like how you see him on TV and in the movies. Um, I always say, if you've seen the movie, here comes the boom, yeah. uh, when, you know, with him in that movie, that's what he's like. That wasn't on him acting really in that movie. That's just him. He's funny. He's outgoing. Everything's, uh, like we tell the story, he's very animated. You know, he'll, he'll stand up and start telling the story in, in the restaurant. And that's just, he's just exciting that way. He's fun to be around. Very infectious personality. Um, you know, again, so the goal with him is no problem at all. You know, <laughs> I mean, he's just, uh, uh, great guy. Everyone wants to see him and shake his hand and talk to him when you go out. So, uh, you know, there's not uh, never really a situation where uh, someone's mean mugging him or looking <laughs> to fight. So, yeah, definitely not an issue. That's good. I just I just have that image of uh, – I definitely, you know, wouldn't want him walking into a bar and try to get him to, 
leave the bar if I was the bouncer on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I would. Uh, I would ask nicely for sure. <laughs> well, yeah. cool. Do you have any advice for uh, a student who's uh, fairly new to jujitsu that's going to do their first tournament? You know, again, I, I I say do it as soon as you can because you always learn so much from competing, whether it's an in-house tournament or whether it's a tournament you drive to, fly to, whatever. I mean, do it because you might not know anything, but you're going to experience that and you're hands-on. Oh, the guy did this or the guy did that. Or, oh, that's what that felt like. I want to. I want to feel that. I want to know how to do that. You know, and you get that from rolling when you're new because everyone's better than you that you're rolling with a lot of times. So you get lots of that. But the competitiveness and the nerves, um, dealing with that's very important, and how to deal with it properly. Um, obviously, if you know absolutely nothing, I mean, safety is a factor. You're going to a tournament where guys are going hard. You know, you don't want to get your arm cranked because you don't know how to tap or you don't even know what a submission is. Um, you don't know you're in trouble until it's too late sometimes. So, you know, safety is a factor, but, you know, if you've been training for, you know, six months, a year, and you're going into a tournament under two-year division, you know, you may not win, but I think you're going to learn a lot of valuable lessons in that. And, you know, learn how to that, that mindset of just keep fighting. No matter what, don't give up on it. And that's I think that's important uh, skill um, to learn. When when you see somebody, um, and, and I I think we all could recognize it in like MMA fight or sometimes in, in jiu-jitsu, when they kind of just quit. I mean, they haven't they haven't tapped out. They're still in it, but you could tell they're not going to win uh, unless they're way up on points. Some of that, but you could tell they're just they're done. They they, they don't really have it. Is that would that be more of a physical thing or is that a mental thing or both? Uh, it's both. I mean, obviously, when you're physically exhausted, you can no longer physically function. There's not a lot you can do other than having the mental toughness to suck it up and find some extra energy somewhere to fend off what's happening or, you know, just bridge one more time. Um, you know, that comes back to the mental. I always say this, your mind gets in the way. Your body can always do more than you think it can, but your mind gets in the way. So if you keep your mind out of fighting, you'll do a lot better. And that's why you should compete. You learn, oh, man, I really, you know, screwed up there. I, I totally wimped out. I totally quit when I shouldn't have. Well, okay, now next time, fix that. Right? It's feedback. Everything you do is positive and negative feedback. But it's feedback, right? doesn't matter if a guy yells at you and tells you you're doing the armbar wrong, well, it's still feedback you were doing the armbar wrong. Or they praise you and tell you that was a beautiful job, just move your arm a little bit to the right, move your arm a little bit to the left. That made your armbar better. It's still feedback. So you know, you take it as as feedback and, and make something useful out of it. Oh, I got tired. Oh, what do you got to do? Well, I got to work on my conditioning. I, I, I was bridging, but I got tired for, after bridging for a minute. I got tired. Well, guess what? Go home, practice bridging with a heavy bag on you or a partner sitting on you so you can bridge for five minutes if your matches are five minutes long. So, you know, Boss Rutten always said this, there's only one thing you control, and that's your conditioning. You know, you can actually do something about it. You can't control the guy's a better fighter than you or knows more techniques than you or is smarter than you, but you can control your conditioning. And, you know, same as jiu-jitsu. You know, you can control. If you're going to compete, there's certain things you can control. Now, you've been training for six months, your conditioning is controlled to the level you're at. I mean, you may be maxed out on a scale of 1 to 10. Your conditioning may be a 10. But two years from now, 
that ten would have been will be a two on your new scale. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, everything's a work in progress, and you just have to be patient and uh, and you know just accept things for what they are. What, what do you recommend for a conditioning program? Uh, you know, again, there's lots of uh, variables out there. So your strength and explosiveness, your endurance. Um, so there's lots of, you know, weight-type programs to do, body weight exercise programs. Um, you know, it's one of those things to get back to. I was telling my guys, if you only got an hour in the day to train and you're going to have a fight coming up, then spend your time hitting pads and rolling and sparring because that's fight specific you know you're doing that in your fight so if you can do that for an hour well yeah. then you can probably last in your fight if you got two or three hours to train in a day well then you can go do some you know conditioning on the treadmill to improve your max vo2 you can do kettlebell exercise to improve your explosiveness and your muscle endurance um you know then you can roll and you can hit pads and you can spar and you know so it all depends on your schedule and what you allow um but reality, if you're going to do a grappling tournament, you're rolling match after match, then go do, you know, grapple guy after guy. Go put, have them do murder on you. So there's a new guy every minute. So, you know, you don't, you never have the advantage always working out of a bad situation. Um, you can handicap yourself that way, you know, if you have, if you're the better student or you're bigger and stronger than the people you're training with. You know, you, you manipulate your training to make it harder for yourself. That, and that, all, I'd imagine, would also help with the the mental side of things. Being able to to deal with fresh opponents and and stronger opponents, and then um, or training partners, and then when you actually have an opponent, yeah, you'll be able to deal with that mentally yeah. e- more easily. Yeah, you know, again, I always say this: it's like people say, "Wow, this guy's super strong." You'll never fight a guy who's that strong. Yeah, you will. Or because you train with the UFC fighter, then this guy will never do to you what your teammates do to you. Yeah, they will. <laughs> you're new, they're new. You're fighting that guy. You're not the guy that the UFC fighter trains at your gym is not fighting for you. I mean, you're not that UFC fighter. You might train with him and he might dominate you and that gives you good experience and mental toughness and that's good, but you still have to go in there and fight yourself. You still have to be the one going in there and doing it. Does it help to have different level of guys? Yes. Does it help that you have a guy that's been there? Um, you know, helping coach you and, and work with you? Yeah, absolutely it does. But it doesn't mean you're going to win because you train at a UFC gym or you train with UFC fighters or, you know, whatever, or some guys have 10th degree black belt that you roll with. That doesn't mean you automatically get those skills absorbed into your skin because you roll with them. You still have to put the time in. You still have to go in there and compete yourself, you know, so. If if someone's wanting to make the jump or the, the change from uh, doing uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu to doing MMA, how would – how would you recommend they do that? How much time do you recommend they do jiu-jitsu before that? You know, again, it's you can train MMA at any time. So okay. whether you want to fight is a whole other story, right? And and again, if, if you only been training jiu-jitsu for six months and you've been doing kickboxing for six months and you decide you want to fight, just make sure the coach and the promoter matches you up with someone with equal skills. Okay. And then it's fine, right? Then it doesn't matter. Um that being said, you're not going to go in there, you know, you've been training for six months jiu-jitsu and you're going to go fight a high-level wrestler. It ain't going to help, right? He's going to take you down and dominate you. So. Match, match, getting matched up fairly has a huge uh, yeah. huge effect on your experience. And when you're both 0-0, um, you know, it doesn't matter. It's hard to tell that guy's been training for seven years and hasn't decided, just now started 
doing right. his MMA career. You know, those are factors <laughs> that you have to look at. You know, like I've had guys come train with me and never trained anything before, and I had him a fight two weeks later. But I knew he was a guy, like, for example, one of my guys, and he fought in hockey all the time, playing hockey, fought all the time. So I knew he was okay with getting punched, and I knew he could punch people hard. He didn't know anything on the ground, really, and he didn't know anything else as far as he didn't know how to kick. So an opportunity came up to fight, but it was against another guy who was basically a hockey fighter. So two guys that were willing to stand <laughs> and grab onto each other and trade bombs. Well, that's a fair fight for both guys. So I let him do it, you know. But I wouldn't let him go in there going, oh, this guy's a, you know, a blue belt in jiu-jitsu and uh, been training for six, seven years and uh, has some fundamental kickboxing. I'm like, yeah, it's probably not a good fight. Could my guy knock him out? Absolutely. Could my guy take his punches? Absolutely. But the reality of combat is if you can hit someone, they're close enough to grab onto you and take you down and choke you out as well. So, you know, you got to face the reality of combat, you know, and it's not going to... Why is he going to stand there and trade punches with you if that's the only if that's your strength? You know, he wants to take you where you're not comfortable. Yeah. So, yeah. Is it? I don't know much about hockey. Is it true that you kind of have a, a guy or two assigned to do the fighting on the team to kind of protect the other players? Uh, you know, back in the day, that used to be more the case where there was the the guy that was known as the fighter on the team. Um, not really so much anymore. Okay. Obviously, fights break out and guys fight. Um, and there's some guys that are better at it than others. Um, but most of the players are pretty skilled in all levels now, and, and some can fight on top of it. So, <laughs> yeah. Just, just curious, and I, and it's always fun to learn about other sports and, and the way they're kind of oh, yeah. ran and, and, uh, what's expected. Yeah. Um, what were you like as a blue belt? And I don't know if you were a blue belt, uh, with Boss Rudin at the same time you were with, uh, Roy Harris, or how did that work out? But what were you like early on, kind of just getting your feet um, into the into jujitsu? Uh, yeah, actually, I had my first uh, Pancrase rules fight, so a MMA fight with open palm striking, and um, I hadn't started training with Bosch Rutten yet. I don't think, as far as like personal training with him, but I trained with his CDs and you know the combos on the bag and all that kind of stuff. And so I had some basic idea of, um, you know, the kickboxing stuff. I'd done some kickboxing training and, and obviously from the Kempo Karate. But as far as the ground game, I didn't really know anything. Um, I remember my fight, I hit the guy with a palm strike, a left palm strike, and rocked him hard and broke both bones in my arm. So an ulnar radius snapped in my wow. arm right down by my wrist. And every time I went to hit him again, it hurt so bad, I could not punch him again. It hurt, just hurt too much. I couldn't hit him. So this guy was a blue belt in jiu-jitsu, and we kept, we kept fighting for a bit, and he was all bloodied up from me hitting him. And then he got a hold of me and took me to the ground. And then he worked his way to mount, and then he sat and mount on me. And I bridged and bridged and bridged. It was a seven-minute round, seven-minute fight, one round, and I think five minutes he was on top of me four or five minutes he was on top of me mounted and all I did was bridge and he just sat on top of me and tried to maintain base and bled on me and once in a while he'd try and grab an arm and I, I would you know I would lock my hips up and uh, I remember after the fight after I went to the hospital and had surgery and pins put in my arm and 
I was back teaching class with pins in my arm, and, and one of the guys said, why didn't you do an elbow knee escape? And I said, what's an elbow knee escape? And he said, oh, it's this where you turn on your side and use your feet to hook the leg and you get back to half guard, and then you shrimp and you move your hips and you replace full guard. And I was like, you knew this? He goes, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen all these videos from this guy, Mr. Roy Harris. <laughs> I, Who's Mr. Roy Harris? Oh, he's a Jeet Kune Do guy and he does jiu-jitsu and we trained Jeet Kune Do at the time and uh, concepts and stuff, different seminars. So I was like, oh, okay, well, that's interesting. And uh, I was kind of mad the guy didn't share with me that information while I was training for this bike. I uh, kind of kept it for himself to, uh, for whatever reason. Um, so then I was like, wow. Because all I knew was just buck my hips. Just buck, buck, buck. And, you know, I mean, you need to be in shape for that. So I was in good shape for bridging. You know, I could do it forever sort of thing. And uh, and then I had a chance. Uh, uh, Brian Bird, uh, a black belt jiu instructor now, and I wasn't at the time, but Back in 2001, I think it was, 2000, something like that, he was bringing this Mr. Roy Harris up to do a seminar in Calgary, which is about two hours north uh, of where we live. So I said, oh, I, I recognize that guy's name because uh, my friend said to Chi Kune Do, so I thought I'm going to go check out this seminar. And I went there, and I was blown away by the the details of stuff. It wasn't, you know, just do this move, do that move. And it was like five hours on escaping mount, you know, and elbow knee escapes and different things like that. And so I just fell in love with his teaching methods, um, how he articulated the information. I could understand what he was saying. Uh, he had a background in other martial arts. He knew how to kick and punch and bite and eye gouge and uh, stick and knife fight. And so it just made a lot of sense, uh, you know, for me that what he was doing, I liked how he was teaching. And from that moment on, I, Every seminar I've ever been up this way, I've attended. I brought him up for mine, and he was offering an instructor course. So I, I went and took his level one instructor course. Um, and then I started training for my belt, saying, oh, I should, you know, test for a blue belt and, and do that kind of stuff. And, and then while I was doing that also, then I had a chance to go to a, a Bosch Rutten seminar, and I went to that, and I was like, oh, I love, the, you know, the way he is and the way he teaches and his striking style and the aggressiveness of it, and it fits well with the Kempo Karate I was doing. And uh, I love his jiu-jitsu and, you know, how he does net cranks and, and all Because, again, for fighting purposes, it was just perfect. So I kind of was doing them both at the same time. And, uh, again, didn't know nothing but really, again, relied on athleticism and just aggressive grind and just go, 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 you know, and just kind of bite harder on your mouthpiece and, and just find a way. Right? And then the hard part was slowing that down and going, okay, let's work on some techniques here, you know, like being more <laughs> finesse and timing and rhythm and using that. Even still, that's my struggle. You know, I'm 245 pounds, uh, you know, a muscular build. I, I like to use strength and power, you know what I mean? So that's, you know, that's, that's an asset, an attribute. So you, you like to use that. But again, as I get older, that's not what it used to be, right? So now I was like, oh man, I really need to focus on that technique and the smoothness of it, which is the importance of jiu-jitsu as well, right? So, so the blue belt, I was very uh, rough around the edges, <laughs> for sure. And I feel I still am. As a black belt, I'm still, uh, compared to some of my friends with black belts, I just can't believe how smooth they are. I'm like, I'm impressed by what they do all the time. And uh, so, it's, again, it's a never-ending goal to get better. Yeah, I think we're all on that same path of working at getting better constantly. 
and uh, without with no yeah. end in sight, just continually get better. Um, yeah, you've got a ton of uh, combat sports experience. What do you do before you compete? Like the upcoming, uh, you know, hour or, or minutes before your competition. What do you do to get ready? Um, for me, again, with my age and my injuries and stuff, I, I mostly just try and make sure I'm warmed up enough to not get hurt. Um, I, I, like I've had nine major surgeries. Um, and mostly things I just did to myself, you know, I had a boxing fighter, I threw a hook punch. I rocked the guy. I threw another hook punch, hit his elbow when he was arms up, tore my bicep off, you know? So I had to get surgery and get that reattached. Well, now before I go every fight, I have to really make sure my, my arms are warm and stretched out. So I don't, you know, tear something when I'm, you know, you're hitting hard and stuff like that. You know, I've got I've had back surgery, so I got to really make sure I warm up my back, and and again, not so much that I fatigue myself, so I got nothing for the fight, and you know, don't hurt myself warming up. You know, lots of little things like that. So physically, you got to do you know prepare yourself. And I and I tell my new guys, look, you're in great shape. When you're in great shape, you need to warm up really good before you go in, because you don't want to fight cold. So my warm-up is nothing compared to one of my young guys' warm-up is. You know, like my young guys will hit pads, they'll roll, they'll do all this stuff. I won't do much of that. I'll shadow box and break a bit of a sweat, stretch out, you know. And then the mental preparedness for me is I know I'm going into battle. I'm prepared for that. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Everyone always has their nerves beforehand. Like, why am I doing this? Who booked this fight for me? You know, I'm never doing this again. <laughs> and, you know, everyone always thinks that. And we always joke about that. I've just come to terms with it and say, I accept it. No, I'm going to be nervous. That's good. You know, but I'm going to fight no matter what. doesn't matter if I'm sick, if I'm, I don't feel well that day, I'm fighting anyways. And that mentality, I try and go into training as well with the guys. I say, yeah, you know, you feel a little off today. To train anyways, because you might feel off come fight day. You can't pull out because oh, I don't feel good today. You know what I mean? You're going to fight no matter what. So yeah. um, that's kind of how I approach it. That's a good point. You know, there are definitely days I don't feel like training. You know, you I don't I don't know what happens. You wake up on the wrong side of the bed or nutrition yeah. or what happens. You just don't feel like you're going to, and you don't perform that well. But it's important to go and to do it that day because, you know, you hopefully not. Hopefully you peak on a day that you, you're competing, but... Yeah. Uh, you may not. Yeah. Yeah, you've been there before. You've, you've trained when you're sick. You've trained when you're tired. You've trained when you're hurt. Uh, so you know come fight time you can do it. And a lot of times, you know, you just like feel blah. I just, I just don't feel like going to the gym today. And then you get there and you train like, man, it was one of my best workouts ever. I had no expectations going in. And that's probably one of the reasons why it was so good. You actually just trained and enjoyed the moment and enjoy the training session. When you go and think, man, I feel great. I'm going to kill it tonight. I'm going to tap everybody out. I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. And then you get there and things just aren't working. Now you beat yourself up <laughs> even more and you're yeah. frustrated more because you thought you were going to kill everyone that day in training and armbar everybody and you're the one getting tapped out. So you're, you're, the mental aspect of the game is huge. And again, the more you leave your mind out of it, and fight with an empty mind, you know, the better off you are in all levels. And, you know, same in life and family and everything. You got to totally be in that moment. That's the, that, And that's why people love fighting and competing. And combative sports especially, because um, they're different than team sports, you're the one in there battling. When someone's punching you in the face and trying to knock you out, and they're mounted on you, throwing down elbows, you are not thinking about mowing the lawn or cleaning <laughs> the house 
or the argument you had with your wife or changing a diaper or a project you have to do at work, you are thinking about that guy punching you or elbowing you in the face and how you're going to get out there and how you're going to win. And there's nothing more pure than that. And that's why, you know, people like that aspect of it. Now, that being said, you can't do that all year long and forever. So you have to find a way to that pureness of being in that moment. You need to find that in every aspect of your life. You know, and Bruce Lee always talks about that type of stuff, right, with, with his quotes and stuff. And when you're doing the dishes, you're just doing the dishes. You know, when you're with your kids, you're with your kids. You know, when you're doing business, you're doing business. You're not, you know, you're trying, again, in this day and age, and I'm horrible for this, is being on my phone when I'm in a meeting or being on when I'm, you know, with family and I'm texting someone about a fight. And you know what I mean? So you're not totally visiting the family then, right? You're on your phone doing business. So a lot of, because of technology, we can have a lot more distractions. So um, I think it's important that we try and balance that out and we always work towards that of enjoying every minute um, for what it is, you know, and not being, the whole anxiety, uh, you know, comes from living in the past or, or projecting to the future. And that's what chews us up with everything we do. Yeah, that is great off the mat advice, you know, be be there. If you... I'm with my family and I'm, I'm texting on my phone to people who are not my family or something work related or something. I'm truly not a hundred percent with my family. Part of me is occupied yeah. with something else. Yeah. So I like that. That's that's good to to keep it you know, keep it in perspective, keep everything uh some good off the mat advice. Um, what would you say to somebody who's training and they want to get better but they're only able to uh, do to you know, work situations with family, only able to train once or twice a week. Train once or twice a week. <laughs> it may take you a little longer. Right? Yeah. So be it. Um, you know, and have a goal in mind when you go there. A lot of times people train, they train four or five times a week, but they're not necessarily even getting better. They're just there all the time. You know, so set goals when you're there. What, what's your goal today? Um, is it to practice a certain technique? Is it to work on an escape? Is it to uh, last a little bit longer in a round? Is it to show up on time if you've been uh, traditionally late for class? Um, you know, what is it What is it that your goal is? Um, so when you're there training, get 100% out of that training session that you're there. And when you can't make it to the gym, is there stuff you can do when you're not there? Um can you work on your core strength? Can you watch uh, training videos? Can you visualize movements? Can you think about your last match and break it down and where you went wrong and then write out notes on, oh, I got caught in this. Okay, then, okay, I can't get back to the gym for a week, but I can look up on YouTube and other things, escape from that position to give me um, more things to think about so I don't have tunnel vision on a certain subject or, you know, Oh, I, I I can't bridge very well. Oh, I look up exercises for building my strength and my bridge and my core. Um, you know, so there's lots of things you can do outside of the gym to prepare for that training session and get ready for that training session. Um, you know, again, you only you know you're only going to train once or twice that week. So plan your day ahead so you know you can make it. So if something doesn't come up last minute. Oh, I didn't bring my I didn't bring uh, clean gear with me or shorts and t-shirt. I forgot my wrestling shoes or, oh, I didn't eat anything today, so now it's my only day to train, but now I don't feel like training because I'm tired and my glycogen levels are low. You know what I mean? You should 
make those count, those moments when you, that you do get, you know? Yeah, make, so. I guess it goes the same way, um, you know, ma- making the moments with your family count when you're with your family, making the moments when you're at training count, and uh, and be there 100% and, uh, and have some focus yeah. to your training. Yeah, and, you know, again, um, I've had nine major surgeries, so every time I've had a surgery, I've been out for at least four to six months, you know, so... I've been training jiu-jitsu now for 14 years, 15 years, and I've had six months off nine times. You know, that really yeah. hinders your ability to uh, train. And uh, I remember grappling with a guy and my had the pin sticking out of my arm, which were holding, you know, trying to get the bones to fuse back together where they broke, and my the pin sticking out of my skin got stuck in the guy's shirt. And when I pulled my arm and he moved and bent the the steel rod that was in my arm and bent it. And I screamed, you know, everybody in class stops. I'm like, sorry, sorry, I'm good, I'm good. You know, I just want to get back <laughs> on the mat and train. They're like, they think I'm nuts, right? Because I'm on the mat rolling with pins sticking out of my arm. But it's like, I want to get on there. I want to practice this move. I want to try this. You know, I want to do these things. And, you know, and, that, and that's part of it. So, you know, and I always tell my guys too, like, we train, our time is very split. We're not a jiu-jitsu gym where you put a gi on and four or five nights a week you're rolling with your gi on. You know, we train stand-up. We train ground. We're training for MMA fights, so we're working on wrestling stuff. We're working on boxing stuff. You know, a lot of everything. So we don't get an hour a day of straight rolling, you know. And so it's going to take longer to get really good at jiu-jitsu when you don't spend as much time on it. But overall, my guys are great fighters. They can kick, they can punch, they can elbow, they can take down, they can defend the takedown, they can roll, you know what I mean? But it may take them longer to get belts, and they may not do as well as against the straight jiu-jitsu guys in a jiu-jitsu match, but they can hold their own pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so that's kind of, you know, the jack-of-all-trades when it comes to training with my, with my guys. I think that's important. In the long run, you know, you're ahead because you're learning multiple things. But if your goal is to get a black belt as quick as you can, well, that's not really the path to take, right? So, yeah, yeah. I agree. Have you found that so, some students have some traits that make them easier to train or to teach? With like a personality trait or something like that? Yes. Um, all fighters are crazy. <laughs> you know, that's a great, but that's uh, it's a common thread. Um, I find that um, the guys who are the kind of the best at fighting, in, in a way, are kind of that um, OCD type mentality. It's all or nothing, which is great because they're all about fighting. You know, every yeah. day they think about it, they train it, they're in all the time training and want to fight, and that's great. But the problem with that is there's no balance in that. Right. Yeah. So as trying to train a martial artist, I'm trying to teach balance and learn balance myself. And, and that's an ongoing progress, you know, and, and thing you keep working on. So as a fighter, you know, I can say, well, I want you to be a fighter. Well, great. You have that tra- character trait. You're that way. That's perfect. But in the long run, that only, you know, again, you can't fight forever and, and you get injured and this and that. So it's about finding that balance. So, I would say that's kind of a trait that's good for fighting and good for training, but everything else in your life suffers. 
You know, you don't, you can't focus on work because you're always thinking about is fighting. You don't focus on your girlfriend, your wife, because you're always thinking about is fighting. So it's kind of a, or they get a girlfriend and all they think about is their girlfriend. You don't see them in the gym for six months. <laughs> oh, like, oh, I, I, say, I had a girlfriend. Yeah, I know. How'd you know? Well, I haven't seen you in eight months. <laughs> so, I, you know, I say that that's always going to keep a guy in the gym with a, with a new girl, right? So I, I get it. You know, you know, it's all or nothing. And when they go work, they're working hard. They're doing great in their business. And they're making money. And they're doing great. But then they can't train. So I always try and get them to, well, just train a little bit. You know, if you're training only coming in once, twice a week, at least you're in the groove. You're keeping up on things. You're, you know, working on something new, some new techniques, you know, just keeping fresh on, or just keeping your old skills at a decent level. So if you decide you want to turn it up and fight again, you're not starting from scratch. You know, you're not totally out of shape, you know, that type of stuff. So I think that's kind of one of the things. Oh, and I always say I'd rather teach a guy technique than try and get him strong. You know what I mean? Like yeah. having a physical attributes of strength, um, is a wonderful thing, especially if you want to compete, you know, and it's a lot harder. It takes a lot longer to get strong than it does to learn technique and become fluid and, and learn that timing. You know what I mean? Like you can learn that fairly quickly, uh, in comparison to, you know, taking someone who's physically, you say their builder is not the type to be strong and to get them to put on muscle. If you're a hard gainer, you're a hard gainer. You know what I mean? I'm not going to get you physically strong, but I can, on the same hand, though, I can teach you technique and you can use to work with what you got. But when a guy comes in who's like grip strength is through the roof, that's a bonus for him. You know what I mean? And grief for everybody else. You know, <laughs> there's some brand new guy that just, you know, works heavy machinery and turning wrenches and or a construction guy or a concrete worker, you know, that type of guy. And he doesn't know anything, but he can grab your arm and pin it down, and you can't move your arm, and you're a you're a higher level belt. You know what I mean? It's very frustrating and demoralizing, but that's an attribute, you know. And so good for him. Now, what's he going to be like when you learn some technique? Like, look out, right? You got yeah. a handful. So, yeah, that's good. Do you, do you have a show coming up here in October? Is that correct? Yeah, October second, uh, Rumble in the Cage fifty one. Uh, so longest running show in Canada and, uh, you know, just a great opportunity for family and friends to come out and watch, uh, the students, you know, where are they every day and weekend? What have they been doing? Oh, come watch them fight and see what he's been doing or what she's been doing. You know, what, why are they putting all this time and effort into this? Why are they taking it so serious? You get to see them, you know, put it on the line and uh, test their skills with someone else that's willing to get in there. So it's pretty exciting. It's a lot of fun. Um, that's why I started doing shows where it's created opportunities for people to compete, um, especially at home. You know, we used to travel all over to fight and do stuff, but no one at home knew what we were doing or why we were doing it. Um, so it's pretty rewarding to, to see those people, you know, step in the cage and compete and all their family and friends cheering for them. Yeah, so. that's a, a great opportunity to, to develop yourself as a martial artist, to be able to compete locally. Uh, yeah. That's a tremendous uh, opportunity there. If somebody wanted to get a hold of you or, or to do some training with you, how would be the best way to to contact you? Uh, my website, uh, cmcmma.com. Um, they can text me, you know, 403-634-7012. My cell number is on all my websites, rumblethecage.com, 
it's on my Facebook, it's on my Twitter, so you know you can get a hold of me pretty much lots of ways. But uh, um, definitely, they can come. You know, if they want me to come do a seminar um, on striking, on grappling, on MMA, self defense stuff, you know, pretty much, you know, I do some of all that type of stuff, and uh, you know, they're more than welcome to come train with our team and uh, hang out with the family that way. Excellent, and I'll put links to those on the show notes for everybody to find. Lee, I appreciate you getting on here with me and, and sharing some stories and some uh, uh, some wisdom about jujitsu. I really appreciate it a lot. No problem. Thanks for having me. All right. Have a good day. You bet. <clears throat> wow, I want to thank Lee Mian for the interview. Uh, I learned a ton as I talked with him about uh, jiu-jitsu, some of the earlier history, uh, interesting hearing him talk about MMA, and then his advice on training with a, a limited schedule you know that's real world advice for i think a a lot of listeners you know we're not able to train every day we're not 18 to 24 necessarily some of us are some of us aren't and uh we train two to four times a week a lot of us you know and that's and just having a goal when you get there and what you're going to work on sometimes i'm surprised that that i start getting better at certain things kind of quick you know and and, and some of my people that I train with don't have any goals or have anything they're working on, and they just kind of just coast along nice and easy, and they're, they're not really ramping up any part of their game that well. And that really is uh, the BJJ, BJJ brick philosophy. You need to pick out a few few techniques um, and get really good at them, and those will be like bricks in your arsenal that you'll have uh, you, you know, for you when you uh, want to turn it up a little bit, when you want to compete, or when you want to just uh, get a submission or a nail a sweep. You, you need those bricks. You need to be really good at a few techniques you, it's impossible to be you know amazing at all the techniques so you got to pick a few out and, and really drill them for you know a couple months here or there and and get better at them so anyway uh, really fun interview and uh, look forward to dealing with him a little bit more in the future uh that was a good time as always we are on facebook that's probably the best way to interact with us on social media uh gary and i are both on the same uh bjj brick facebook page and we will uh, that's the best. That's a fun way to to chat with you guys and see what's happening. Yeah, speaking of social media, last week uh, we asked you to uh, post on our Facebook page, you know, your bench press, and uh, the winner would get a gi patch. Um, uh, or if you sent us one out, we'd send you a gi patch. And we kind of a slow week. We only got one person, <laughs> but uh, we'd like to sh- thank Mr. Shimani Mutambi, um, and his uh, his post was. My bench press, my friends, is 75 pounds, my friend. But I do date supermodels, my friend. <laughs> what do you think about that post there, Byron? Well, I, you know, that the supermodels thing was kind of odd. It caught me off guard when I saw it first when he posted that. But then I remembered that uh, you mentioned online, you know, we all bench a million pounds and we all date supermodels. So uh, I think he's just uh, playing to that, my friend. That yeah, but he's a little off because he's not benching a million pounds. So I think, he, I think he's probably truthful about his 75-pound bench. And I'm not 100% sure if he really dates supermodels. But if he does, good for you, Mr. Shimani Mutambi. <laughs> Yes, uh, he's, yep. he's you know he's he's always he's been a loyal fan and listener of the show, and uh, we do appreciate uh, Shumani, and uh, he's a good friend of the show. Yep, good friend. And we did talk about we sent him out a gi patch, but uh, anybody who wants to get a gi patch, uh, go on to iTunes, uh, write us a review. Uh, we like funny reviews, uh, but be honest. Um, but if you make it funny, um, we'll send you a gi patch just for giving us a review, as long as you live in the United States, unless we sell more. 
your first year at jujitsu uh, audio books, and then we can maybe send one overseas. But uh, we're not selling enough yet, so there's another plug. But um, definitely uh, um, uh, go on to iTunes, write us a review, try to make it funny, then go on to our Facebook page or our email address, bjtbrick at gmail.com. Tell us that was you who did the review, and uh, we'll read it on air, and we'll also uh, send you out a gee patch. It's a, it's a gee patch just like our our logo there with uh, Byron about ready to smash a brick into my face, and I have the microphone choke open guard on him. So uh, a pretty cool little patch, and uh, we appreciate uh, anybody who's uh, supporting us by wearing it. Yep, it's always an honor to see somebody else bothered to uh, stitch that onto their uh, gi or yeah. onto their t-shirt you know that's a, it's really yeah, I noticed a lot of people are putting them on their t-shirts I, I've actually we've talked about it before we've once somebody told us they sewed it to their forehead I'm not sure if that's true or not but they told us they did so I'm going to go with it <laughs> yep the stitching that the doctor had to do was a little bit uh, a bit much but yep. uh, you know this week let's do something a little different here if if you haven't heard episode 100 go back and give it a listen it was a, a pretty big episode for me and, and Gary uh, it meant a lot to us to hear everybody's response of what what Brazilian Jiu Jitsu has done for you uh, off of the mat. You know what, how it's affected your life. So uh, to, to try to continue to do some of those, um, if you want to record an, a little audio clip with your phone and email it to us at bjjbrick at gmail dot com. Um, so go ahead. You know, there's like a little memo button on your phone. Uh, record just a, a two or three minute segment of of what Jiu Jitsu has done for you, how it's benefited your life. And uh, send it to that email address, and we'd be happy to share it with the, uh, the audience on the podcast. So easy way anybody could be part of the show. Yes, yep, just definitely uh, just put that on there. And make sure you tune in next week. We have a very special show. Um, it deals with Mission 22. We're going to have uh, Chris Pap Andre on the show. I think you've probably seen some of our posts from Mission 22 when they've had uh, charity events going on. But Mission 22 is um, – it's it's helping our military heroes who have come back, um, come back to stateside here, and and you know they may have PTSD or or any other uh, uh, issues going on, and and it's trying to prevent uh, suicide. I'm trying to help uh, help uh, our heroes as they come back here to the United States, and uh, not everybody has been in the armed forces or, or served our country, but a lot of times you'll have a teammate. Um, you're going to be a good teammate, and uh, it's going to give you. Th- things to look out for um to try to help your teammate um that may be suffering from this but uh mission 22 is just a incredible uh, uh organization and uh we're really really happy to have uh chris on the show next week and uh it's definitely uh, going to be a great learning experience uh for all of us yeah it's gonna it, the episode is uh i think a very important one you know like you mentioned if you're not in the military you've got some teammates that that have uh, have uh served the country and and uh it's important to to know uh what to look out for and kind of and and how to uh help out your teammates if they need it so a uh, very important episode and of course we talk about jiu-jitsu as well i mean it's just going to be any any episode we're going to have we're going to have lots of jiu-jitsu too so uh. yeah, and keep an eye out too because uh, mission 22 has a lot of great charity seminars and and uh stuff like that where man if if you're anywhere near one of those seminars definitely uh uh go to it um, the money, the money raised, is going to help help all our heroes as they uh, are trying to adjust. So, uh, a great great time to learn some jujitsu and help people out. 
Yep, well said, Gary. Um, we also have, uh, you know, I try to get on and, and post things on, you know, the forums and Reddit and stuff like that, but I'm not very good. I just, I'm, I'm busy with running, you know, the podcast website and, and having, you know, working 48 to 72 hours a week. It just, and training, you know, so I don't, I'm not real good about promoting the show, uh, you know, other than uh, a little bit on Facebook and stuff, but I, I try to post it on, on Reddit and, and some of the forms, but I, I'm not good at that. So, uh, we have a friend, his name is Gabe. He's going to be posting on Reddit for us. So, uh, Really appreciate that, Gabe. He's stepping up. Uh, he he mentioned to me that he saw a post uh, that somebody had posted, and and I thanked them for hey, you know, somebody somebody sent me a screenshot and said hey, somebody's posting you on Reddit. And I'm like, oh sweet. So I go over there and I thank him for posting, and he sees me thanking them and like, did you want that to happen? Uh, yeah, I would love it to happen. So if if we're not somewhere where you think we should be, it'd be an honor if you would uh, uh, share it with uh, you know a group of people that like jujitsu and. Uh, and and Riddit's Gabe's going to try to do that for us, and we'll see. And it's just you know, just he's just doing it as a friend and as a listener of the show, and really appreciate that. And if anybody else wants to do that, go for it. And if you want to let us know, uh, send us an email, and and we'll be sure to to thank you for for helping and spread the show. That means a lot to us. Yeah, it really means a lot to us, Gabe. That's awesome. Thank you so much. We really really appreciate it. Thank you. Everybody wants to know about this. We mentioned it last week. You're going to have a. You know your audio book. Every every week you work on something new. You don't seem to be able to get one of them actually to completion. But this one is is much more than an audio book. You're working on a pop up book. Ooh, so I don't yes. know. I don't know if it's if you're doing like a an e pop up book or it's you're actually going to go back to old fashioned paper uh, pop up book. But um, this one is called "You Pop Up, I Put You Back Down." And uh, from what I've gathered, this this pop up book is about jujitsu, and it'll have somebody. Um, who is like, you know, like uh, pictures of people that are like half done with their takedown, and then where you need to to push or pull on something to make them uh, finish their takedown or an escape. You know, where's their ba- their base weak, and you need to kind of to pull a little lever or push something to make it happen. Gary, very unique. Yes, uh, I'm really proud of this one, and it, it's not just it, it's not an ebook. It's an old fashioned pop up book. Okay, but the other thing too, it comes with a little like uh, uh, twister mat. You know, the mat where twister um, kind of like twister the mat you put in front of the book and it's going to have feet position because it's going to want your feet in that position and the reason for that is like when i want my feet in a certain position when i open the pop-up book it's going to pop a head out, head inside single leg on me if i'm in the it'll tell you on the twister mat where to put your feet for this takedown and then what i'm going to do is as he's trying to take me down this may be my chance to whizzer Maybe my chance to cross face, maybe looking for underhooks, may sprawl. So basically, they're going to pop up, and I'm going to push them back down. So uh, great training tool. It's a tool you can use all the time. And uh, the nice thing is, there's been people who, I mean, it's only it's not totally out of production yet. Only I think only three or four people have it. But these three or four people that have it, their wrestling is approved. One of the guys told me four thousand percent. The other guy told me two hundred eighty. Three percent, and one guy said his wrestling went backwards. But so two out of three, sixty-seven percent have have had very good success with this. So uh, definitely check it out. And this book helps with that ninety percent mental thing too. Yeah, because I mean, you've got to be mental to be able to read to where to put your feet. So uh, yep. Does it have the? So I remember that twister game. You're talking about the game twister, not the not the technique, right? Not the not the technique twister. The game twister. And remember how you'd put your hand on red, or so what you do is you 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 spin the little little uh, arrow, 
and the arrow will land on single leg or whatever. So then you look at the color, the color coordinations there, and it'll tell you where to put your feet for the single leg. So then you dial the book up to single leg. You pop the book open, and all of a sudden as it pops open, the arms come out and the head comes out, and it gets into a single leg position. So then I can look at a sprawl. I can look at a whizzer. I can look at a cross face. Or, I mean, we've even – I haven't came out with it yet, but this is going to be pop up, put you down 2.0. 2.0, which is going to be the next one, which is a higher version. On this one, like if somebody's going for a head on the inside single, then you can roll into a plata. We don't have that set up yet, but on the next one it will be. We'll have some more stuff like that. And uh, right, like right now, the the normal version doesn't have uh, uh, Gary Tun and Scissor takedown. That'll be in there, be in there on the next one too. So uh, right now it's just dealing with basic wrestling, but 2.0 is going to have a lot more stuff. So check it out. And like I said. Two out of three people recommend it. This and this is one of the only books I know of where you could actually get injured while uh, reading the book. Most books yes, are safe. It, it has happened. So uh, make sure you warm up before you read the book. Yeah, warm up. Yep. Get the get your uh, your uh, little circle colored dots out and uh, get to work. Yeah, and if you're not an experienced wrestler, you know, be careful. Are but gonna, it will improve your wrestling, according to two out of three people. Two out of three, and that's that's more than half. Yep, give or take. So, anyway, we're excited about that book, and uh, and we uh, we hope Gary gets the production stuff ironed out. And uh, he's currently in some pretty good uh, litigation with the the Parker Brothers for for taking over their their copyrighted material. Twister. So, uh, yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, and hey, if anybody actually wants to see that see this in person if you happen to be coming through wichita uh-huh. give us a holler uh you know send us an email uh break at gmail.com hit us up on the facebook page we'll gladly train with you and maybe we might even show you the pop-up book so uh, uh kill two birds and one stone there that sounds great and always good time we'll catch you guys next week and stay sweaty my friends and don't forget to shower thank you for listening i hope you find the time today to roll After all, the best way to get better at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. I'll volunteer to take this old bird out of her misery. Don't you dare say something like that about Monk. Come oh, on, no, you ain't got to protect me from Cleet. Come on, Cleet. Come on. Come on over here. Come on in there. Where's your walk? Come on over. Then, then uh, you're going to limp back. You walk over, but you're limping back. Now, don't don't let the gray hair fool you. I ain't no easy win, nigga. You know what you're...